Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's me again. It's T. Frank. Are you, are you getting tired of me yet? Uh, BWI Daily Edition. I'm on here four days in a row because we've got people all across the country. Uh, Nate Bauer is on assignment. I don't know if he's on vacation. He's on assignment, though. So we are going to be going through the mailbag today. Myself and Sean Fitz are taking your questions on the BWI Daily Edition. It's a sleepy, cloudy, rainy February day. Great time to get into some juicy off-season topics with Sean Fitz. Fitz, how you doing today? I'm doing great. You really let, let Nate off the hook there in that intro because I believe he's got a tea time in about an hour in California. So, yeah, we'll call that uh, on assignment. But uh, he's definitely definitely out of here for the next few days. And sorry, uh, no basketball talk from me. But we're gonna we're gonna talk some football today. Yeah, we did get the hoop show yesterday before uh, the game last night. So if you wanted to check that out, uh, you can check that out on replay on YouTube or on the uh, on our podcast version as well. We didn't get into a lot of Wisconsin, so there's not too much that's uh, that'll be old at that point. But you can again check that out on the podcast if you dying for some basketball talk. It, may, it uh, might be more entertaining than replaying the game from last night. So hopefully uh, you give that a listen, uh, even even given the circumstances. So. Earlier this week, this has been a pretty busy week when it comes to news and just information. And we've kind of been sorting through and processing some stuff from Tuesday. Penn State held their, um, they call it the 2022 season recap. It really is a, a preview of the next season, getting to talk to all the players with first-year eligibility that we haven't had a chance to officially sit down with outside of uh, the Rose Bowl in California. So a lot of information, a lot of stuff. I said my piece Tuesday night afterwards on the live show again you can check that part out but i want to give uh fitz i wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about what you found most interesting and and who you talked to um that you you thought was interesting or had some compelling comments so where do you want to start with the players you talked to uh just first off awesome availability um didn't have a signing day press conference because only penn state was waiting out chimney ono um so they delayed it a week and gave us players on top of that, which is awesome. We'll take that. Uh, you know, we're running dry from stuff from the Rose Bowl. So, hey, yeah. you get a nice little replenishment of content there. Um, guys that I talked to, um, I didn't go for the big guns. I didn't go for Singleton, didn't go for Drew, didn't go for Bo and and on all the guys that, uh, you know, I think we've talked to a couple of times. Uh, I, I, I went to the linemen. Like, uh, there was only one long snapper available. So I went to the next best thing and went to the linemen. Uh, Drew Shelton, man, he's got something to him. Like, as a big kid, continues to get bigger. Told me he's right around 295, which is what he's listed at right now. Um, just looking at his build, like, there's a special offensive tackle build there. And he's uh, he's really grown into his role better than he expected last year, better than ever, everybody really expected for him as a true freshman being thrust into that role. And he's looking forward to competing in the spring. Um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting spring. And I wrote uh, a tackle preview yesterday. You've got three starters coming back, essentially, which is in today's age in college football to have three guys with that much experience, even though Drew just got his in the tail end of the season and in the Rose Bowl. 
that's awesome. I mean, you're, you're getting a bonus year out of Olu, which I think everybody needs to appreciate a little bit more getting your top 10 left tackle back. Um, so he's going to be the guy at left tackle, obviously, but then you figure out what to do with Drew Shelton and Caden Wallace. Obviously it makes sense for them to battle it out for the right tackle position. But at the same time, Olu is a veteran. You know what you've got in him or you believe, you know what you've got in him. So I think we're going to see Drew on the left side, on the right side um, this spring to get a little bit more, um, experience to get a little bit more reps while Olu kind of sits back and, you know, sips from his coconut or whatever he's going to do on the sideline, taking a, yeah. a better leave here. So, uh, can I, can I interrupt you for one second? Cause there's, you said something really fascinating that I, I want to get to before we, we go too far. You the said coconut he's got... drink. Yeah. He's just 20. So it's not alcoholic. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It, it, and getting coconuts in state college is pretty impressive. Um, at least fresh ones. You said he Drew has a special build, and he's not a, a huge guy like Olu, where he's six six with those gargantuan length numbers. So I guess what what do you mean by the the special build? Is it is it just pound for pound? Is it weight in the right place? What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, weight in the right place is a good way to put it because he is six five plus um two. I mean he's two ninety five, but you put that tape on the Rose Bowl, he looks like a kid running around out there. He's he looks skinny, yeah. and that's great. Like that's exactly what you want your freshman athletic tackle to look like is somebody that can grow into that. And he'll play at three oh five or three ten, and, and it won't look much different to be honest with you. So I, I, I'm excited to see what he can carry and how much stronger he can get while he does carry that because he does have a great athletic base. The one thing with Drew when he was going through his recruitment. He was at, uh, at Downingtown and he was about 260, 270 pounds. He went down to IMG, put a bunch of weight on and, and it was not good. Like it was not like he put on 25, 30 pounds in a couple of months and they want you to be big at IMG because all yeah. the guys that play at IMG are big and that's how it works. And wasn't necessarily carrying it the best way. So he came back um, and and really sort of shaved himself back down, put him in the 270s, which is where, you know, that's that's a tremendous spot. I mean, obviously he's bigger than everybody else, even if he was 240 or something like that uh, playing high school football. But 270 was kind of his sweet spot for him to get the most uh, to sort of refine and sharpen his athletic skills. And then the weight will come. That's the thing. You don't need guys to come in at 315 pounds. We've talked about yeah. this before. People get too hung up on guys that aren't quote unquote big enough. It's not the weight. It's the size, it's the frame and all that. Drew Shelton has that frame. Um, doesn't have the big belly. He doesn't have a lot of the things that, you know, you, you would get worried about when you talk about a guy that's putting on weight um, in college and for him to be 290, 295 and look like he does. I mean, he, he still looks like he's 270. Let's be honest. Yeah. Still that's like the goal right there is that you don't want necessarily even in offensive linemen a lot of wasted room and i know that we're kind of retreading this here but you look at some of the best offensive linemen they're naturally big and they carry that weight well because they have the room for the muscle you do have more body fat percentage but yeah you want guys to be lean at 295. I mean, we talk about that with the features like the franklin talks about the big head the big hands the big uh frames Arm length is not just it's it's not like reach in boxing. How far you know away do you have to be to punch somebody? It's also adds to you know if you've got two extra inches on your arm, you've got two extra inches to grow into that and to yeah. put on an extra five or ten pounds. So that that all goes into frame how things how things uh, come together. And Drew Shelton is a great example of that. It's a great example, I think, of a of a blueprint of what you're looking for. There's no perfect tackle body there's no perfect prospect that you can look at and say this guy was 6'6 250 coming into school and be successful well olu was 6'6 
310 or something like that when he got into school. So, you know, there, there, it's really all over the board in that manner. It's about how you carry it and it's about how you can feel and how you can stay light on your feet when you, when you're carrying that weight. So everybody's different. Everybody is different. Um, so I think that that's one thing to look at when you take a look at Shelton. I mean, Olu, Shelton and Caden are three different bodies, like three different body types. And, and, you know, that's going to, I think not that it, not that it comes out on the field, but that's going to come out when they, you know, hit the draft, hit the, uh, you know, hit the pro game and things like that. So yeah. that's, that's where I'm encouraged, encouraged with that. And also his, his makeup, he's getting more comfortable. Just in talking to him, I talked to him at the Rose bowl and he was, you know, stars in his eyes, like a lot. And, 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 you know, I think he's come a long way in a month and that's crazy to think about because it is, it, it is only a month. Um, but you know, you're asking a, a guy that's now a sophomore to take that next step. And I think he's done a good job with that. So I'm excited to see Drew Shelton. I think, um, today Phil Troutwine had him as his winter workout standout. So excited to see the progress there. Excited to see him push a, a fifth year guy in Caden Wallace. And, and that's a good thing, man. You've got, uh, you got guys that can definitely play at this level at that position. We saw them down the stretch this year, sort of picking and choosing we have a question in the mailbag coming up about swing guys and things like that so that that'll be fun to 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 talk about um you know i spent the last eight minutes talking about my first point so i'll, I'll get moving <laughs> here uh i sat down with some walk-on offensive linemen that was fun uh guys like ian harvey and jim fitzgerald true freshman offensive linemen unbelievable stories uh for them to get out there and get on the travel squad also sat down with keon wiley which is the kind of the first time i've talked to him since he's been at penn state um playing in that mike linebacker role about 225 he's you know i think he's going to have to get a little bit bigger but probably going to slide back out uh to the outside i think that's where he's a little mm -hmm. bit more natural but i enjoyed talking to him about his transition from philadelphia from inner city philadelphia to penn state obviously a big jump there um and it's a it's an interesting thing uh from franklin marcus haggins things like that uh found the malik um i'm gonna keep calling him malik mcneil malik mclean buzz to be interesting this is something we talked about last week in our chat uh on the site and that he surprised some people with his testing numbers faster than they expected him to be which is you know that's, that's if you're gonna err on one side great. You would prefer that, um, you know, went in the low four fours for them, which at six, four, 200, and he's not the, the biggest guy, you know, he's, he's pretty skinny, but still, uh, you can yeah. work with that. You can make that work. Um, other than that, uh, leadership was something that Nate Bauer wrote about last week. That that's a conversation Nate and I have had off board off record or not off record, but, uh, just between ourselves about this is something that they're going to have to address. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's not necessarily that you, don't have leaders on this team, but you have to find effective leadership on this team. Sean Clifford and John Sutherland were whipping boys for the, the, the fan base for a long, long time, but they did provide quite a base of leadership for Penn State to go from. Also, Juice Scruggs up front, an underrated uh, leader for this team last year. And, you know, this is not about um, guys leading the huddle, guys yelling and, and, and doing all that stuff, but this is about the guys that you can have rally or, or can you can rally around if you lose to Michigan, if you lose to yeah. Ohio State, don't let it get off the tracks. It's not so much about vocal leadership. It's not so much about leadership by example. It's about effective leadership. And that's what Penn yeah. State needs to find. And I think we're going to spend a lot of time this offseason talking about that because it is a legitimate, I don't want to say concern. It's probably not the right word for it, but it's a legitimate topic uh, of conversation inside that building and for, for us this offseason. Yeah, and James Franklin, I, I believe it was in his opening comments about uh, what 2023 in, the, in this winter workout period is all about. He he set the tone of 
basically the talking points with with the class of 2022 and you know all the first year players was, was all about leadership people just talking about leadership uh, most of the day so I, I found that to be uh probably uh what's the right word here uh directed that was an intentional thing for james franklin he wanted those players to be asked about leadership so uh, a fascinating start to 2023 i want to go back quickly one last quick thing about keon wiley you said moving to the outside is a more natural position doing some of the breakdown of the linebacker room is that uh fits is that need because they've got the two co-starters at, at the middle and then abdul carter curtis jacobs kind of splitting that will at the moment is that kind of the situation or is it really that he's better fit at will well i mean he, he thinks he's at home at mike and and i think he can play it but like to, to to play mike at his frame which he's not as big as kobe king and tyler elston which you know they're not the biggest guys in the world either um, but he told me he's playing at 225 right now, and he thinks that's that's where he's comfortable. If that's the case, given his background, given the fact that he's been a pass rusher, he was a defensive end in high school in the sense that he was just a stand-up guy that came off the edge in high school, yeah. had to learn how to play linebacker in his first year at Penn State. So that, to me, says will. That, to me, says that you're going to put him on the outside and, and maybe try and replicate some of the things that he's best at. He had a sack, or I guess he got credited with a half a sack, in the Rose Bowl. Um, so getting after the quarterback um, is, I think, a little bit easier to do from the wheel spot. Yeah, makes makes a ton of sense. Uh, this is the BWI Daily Edition Mailbag Show. Please like the video, subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube. We are, uh, since my last desperate plea uh, for people to subscribe to the channel, we are now closing on, on 10,000. We're under 50 to go for subscribers. Oh, wow. So your friends, people that you know that love Penn State football, we are here every day in the offseason providing you interesting, in-depth, intricate content. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com is for the full fire hose of information. Sign up now, $29.99. From now until football season, you get inside access to the premium line send message form where you get all the recruiting, uh, team information, all of the video breakdowns, premium content, all that stuff. Like here and subscribe for free. If you hit notifications, then you never miss the show going live on YouTube when we air it at 7 p.m. Monday through Thursday and then Friday at 5. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, we are now, Fitz, heading into the mailbag. The new and improved BWI mail. Best way to get your questions on the show, bluehideillustrated.com. Sign up like I just told you before. We have the Lion's Den message forum. I put out a weekly call for uh, mailbag questions on the mailbag submission thread. That's where the majority, the bulk of our questions come from. But if you're listening on the podcast version, we want to make sure you're included as well. And I'm super impressed. This week, if it's no, no typos that I could find. Um, really long, well-thought-out questions. I'm paring them down, but that's what we're going to be starting there. If you leave a five-star review and you give uh, a question in the comments, we'll get to those questions each week on the mailbag. You can leave that at any time. It does not have to be when you're listening to this show. It could be when you're listening to uh, the Tuesday show, the Monday recruiting show with Fitz and Ryan. Uh, doesn't matter when. Just leave that five-star review with your question. We'll get to it on our weekly mailbag. And if we don't, we'll get it to it on, on the next one. 
So one that I think both of us really liked. We're going to start here with the mailbag. Uh, this comes from MPK dot all day. I don't believe I've seen much talk about uh, concerning next year's cornerback depth, meaning 2024. Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Storm Duck, Daquan Hardy, all likely to leave. It seems that the position is young beyond 2023. Scholarship players uh, would be at this point Cam Miller, Elliot Washington, Zion Tracy, and Lamont Payne. Do you see this being a primary position to target in the transfer portal next year, given the room for veteran and experienced corners heading into 2024? As much as I don't like, I don't love looking too far ahead because of the transfer portal. I think this is a great question. Uh, first thing, Fitz, can you confirm or deny that these are the correct numbers and players? And uh, where do you go with cornerback beyond 23? Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I will say this, we don't really, uh, we, we like to live in the moment, so that's why we haven't talked about it, but it's certainly heavily on our radar because you look at what's out there, you look at how important that position has been, how good that position has been. You've had guys that have outplayed their eligibility, and by what I mean is they're leaving early for the draft, and that's going to happen again uh, this year with Kalen King. Uh, yeah, you're going to lose four guys. So me, I, I break it down, I, outside corners, nickel, um, you can play Daquan Hardy outside if you needed to, but he's been a nickel specialist and I kind of put him in a separate pile. Um, but yeah, you're going to, you're going to lose him too. So four guys likely to head out storm duck says he has two years left. Um, that's going to be, it would, it would be a surprise if all four of those, or if, if any of those four guys were here after the 2022 or the 2023 season. So you're absolutely right. This is a, this is something that's not really a code red for 2024, but it's something that's very, very prevalent in when you're looking at the roster building and things like that, because, you know, Cam Miller played a little bit last year. I think Elliot Washington is going to play this year because of this, like that, that is one thing that you got to get those guys experience. You mentioned the portal. I'll, I'll I'll add this this uh, in there as well. I don't know that they're done at the portal at this position this cycle. Like this is something that's very interesting for the spring. Can you find a guy like Johnny Dixon that has multiple years left? Maybe a guy that you recruited a couple of years ago. It's just not working out at his current uh, place. I, I I would not shut the door on Penn State adding another portal cornerback in this uh, in this cycle. Um, I will add that you you will look at every level. You know, this is going to be one of those things where we kind of had the same conversation about defensive tackle in that uh, you, you need to address now. And they've done that with Storm Duck and you need to address the future. And I think they might do that with a portal. But you could also have junior college guys. You could also have uh, just uh, portal guys that just have one one more year. So absolutely. Um, Terry's going to add all the corners that he can. Uh, Miller, I think, is going to work his way, be the fourth guy this year on the outside. Elliot Washington, I think, will play. Zion Tracy might play. Uh, he's a year older than his class, so that might be a situation where you see him on special teams. You see him a little bit lower in the in the corner pecking order. I, I don't see Lamont Payne playing corner here. I don't know that he's fast enough to play corner here. So um, I could see safety in his future um, probably sooner rather than later. Um, and I think an interesting thing here is you we mentioned Daquan Hardy a little bit ago. Uh, King Mack can fill that role. King Mack yeah. is a guy that you can put pretty much anywhere in the secondary, and I would not be shocked to see him when he gets to campus starting out as a nickel corner in that mold. And if you can find a guy that's a nickel corner, those guys are invaluable. I mean, absolutely. Uh, some Anybody that can run with the slot, anybody that can find the ball like him. Um, I know Hardy has had his ups and downs, but they would take another Daquan Hardy in a heartbeat. Yeah, and I love that. So when I was doing his positional fit in T. Frank's film room, uh, when he committed, I was like, okay, so he can play boundary, he can play field, he can play the slot, and hell, the way he hits, I, 
if he needed to be a pinch uh, Sam linebacker in some obvious passing situations, I'd do that as well. Like, I love King Max versatility, so I, I agree with you there. Um, the the part about looking for a corner here, and I just want to clarify this, it would be a guy that's a multi-year player that would be available and, and kind of a, a I want to say project, but a guy like, as you mentioned, Johnny Dixon, who even if he doesn't start the first year, does have the physical characteristics to be a, a corner at Penn State and uh, enough time to develop into those things. How right. hard is it to find a guy like that, do you think, in the second portal window? Very hard. Uh, let, let's be honest here, because that's a guy that's probably in the class of 21 or 22 that went somewhere for a year or two, just maybe didn't have the best experience and is looking to move. You're looking to replicate Johnny Dixon. Like, and that's not easy to do because you have to lean on your relationships and things like that from recruiting. And Terry recruits a ton of corners, like, like the board, if we listed one to 10 is probably, you know, like 30% of, of the actual board, you know, like there's, there's a lot of guys that he talks to that we don't, that don't see the light of day. So, and uh, you know, as we've talked about before, that's the starting point for that position assembly line. Whereas you see a guy like Lamont Payne, who they recorded recruited as a corner, you know, could be a safety, and then just so on and so forth. So it's there's there's no position behind corner is what I'm trying to say. So there's yeah. no moving a guy to corner, um, you know, unless he's a special special athlete as a safety. So you're very limited in the pool that you can get there. So you're looking to find a guy that maybe just didn't uh, didn't have the best experience at his other school, and you still think that he can play. Like it's yeah. not a guy that that went elsewhere and all of a sudden it showed up that, you know, he was not the guy that you thought he was when he when you recruited him. It's a guy that you think can play at this level and still probably has three years of eligibility left. Yeah. And the, the tough part is when I've kind of looked at these situations, there has to be some sort of disruption. Right. So um, it's not a guy, as you mentioned, that can't play to an organization and goes through spring ball and is too far down the depth chart unless it's just a loaded cornerback room um, places where there's been a head coaching change. And maybe that that you you give it a chance and it doesn't work through the spring and then you decide you want to move on. But all those decisions have already been made. All those changes, uh, uh, you've already seen that with uh, coaching changes. Nobody's firing a head coach at this point. So that's one of the reasons I was curious about, like, is it feasible in this next portal window? Want to go to our next question here. Uh, I believe I got this one from PSU Madman One. This is another one of our Apple podcast questions. I know this is very much in the future. We're there right now. We're already there, so we're in the future still. With C.J. Stroud and, I believe, Blake Corum gone next year, and let's say this offense and defense improve, what do you think Penn State's chances are next year against those Big Ten powerhouses? Thank you. Oh, I love a polite person. What do you think, Fitz? Uh, I, I think the window's here. Like, this is, you're setting up for this two-year run, and that's basically what I would what I would say to that because you've got the quarterback that you think can be one of your best quarterbacks of all time um, you've seen them go out and make a priority of surrounding him with weapons specifically at receiver you've got a small window with those two running backs that are exceptional um, and then your offensive line you're, you're getting your left tackle back so the window is is now like it's 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 not necessarily saying Penn State's going to be a, a playoff team but the opportunity is there for Penn State to uh, take to, to make the most of, of what it's built in the last couple of years with its recruiting. So um, regardless of Ohio State and 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 Michigan. So yeah. um, I, I will say this, they and the schedule is you're, you're going to have to play those two teams every year. You're going to have to split, essentially. You know, that's yeah. kind of where we're at with uh, with with that. But you do struggle more with Michigan on the road than you do with Ohio State, if that makes sense, um, because, you know, you, you've you've traded wins with Michigan for the most yeah. part. Um, with uh, d depending on who is home. So 
I would say it's more advantageous for Penn State to get Michigan at home, you know, rapidly, like hopefully win that one and then figure out what's going to happen at Ohio, at Ohio State because you just haven't had a ton of luck with Ohio State home or away. So yeah. I think that is sort of the the X factor in in making that work. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see where that goes. But the window for Penn State is opening right now and they have to make the most of it. Yeah, that that those two series are so interesting because Ohio State is generally close but it's always a loss, always right. being, you know, generally. And then Michigan, it's win at home and get blown out on the road. And there seems to be very little uh, in between there, at least recently. Um, the other thing I would say is Donovan Edwards is going to be there still oh, yeah. for, for Michigan. Yeah. yeah, both <laughs> I mean, those teams are going to find replacements there. for those guys. They, you, can, they, you, can they reload. I mean, you can rationalize all you want about the, the rosters for both of these teams. They're still going to be good. I mean, it's, yeah. it, unless you see just a... a complete tank job and the guy that they bring in at, at quarterback at Ohio state is not going to make it work. Um, you know, like these are, these, are, this is, these are the games you have to win and they're on the top of the pedestal for a reason. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the last part that I think is interesting about this particular conversation is the team arrived early with the class of 2022. I, I, I kind of mirror this to 2019 where that was supposed to be a building year with Michael Parsons, Journey Brown, all those players heading into 2020, which was supposed to be the year that Penn State was going to make a run. The team arrived early with a young quarterback all the way back. If you remember when we still had uh, stars in our eyes about Sean Clifford of what he could be. You got the same situation. The team arrived early last year and you had some veteran players, but the talent was just evident in the in the underclassmen. Now does the quarterback arrive early? That's the thing. You, you've got to mesh those two together. And that's where all the conversations about leadership are coming from, because the talent here that has not dipped despite losing those veteran players. But you've got to find the maturity in this group to put it all together and that's going to be the most fascinating part and i think that's why we're going to be talking about that um for the for the next several months like all the and, way and through into the and summer that's why certain yeah and that's why certain positions are so under the microscope like we talk defensive tackle like i feel in a typical season i'd feel okay about defensive tackle but now yeah. that you have expectations that come with it it's going to magnify things so that's going to be an interesting conversation middle linebacker is going to be something we talk about wide receiver you know until those transfer guys show up and we see what they can do is going to be in that same vein so it's just those things are so much more magnified when you have expectations with them you have the quarterback your your offensive line like I said, I'm not going to call it a strength, but it looks like it's it's continues to trend in the right direction. And, yeah. you know, you get some of those things to fire on the same uh, wavelength and and you feel pretty good. It's just about picking up those other positions and uh, filling in those gaps. And and that's why, like, this is a very interesting offseason because you have to sort of microanalyze everything because the potential is so high for this group. Yeah. And, and proven potential at some young positions and wildly unproven at others it's it's gonna be so fascinating to watch next question here we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show but i thought this was a really interesting segue from earlier to big piggyback off ryan's offensive line piece which we talked about on monday bryce Effner's swing role the past two seasons was very underrated given what the alternatives could have been who's your pick to fill that role this coming season and are we in the process of upgrading that role with younger and more talented players in the years to come uh, Drew Shelton is your Bryce Effner this year, right? That's kind of what you laid out earlier in the show. 
I, I think, I mean, who, I think whoever loses that right tackle battle, and I think both of those guys are going to play, um, are guys that can move inside, um, and, and, and also play guard, even though they are tackles and that's where you're going to see them for the most part. So yes, I think Shelton is in that role. Shelton talked to me yesterday. He said he could, he could play all five positions. That's exactly what you want to hear. So, yeah. um, I think that there's that, um, I will say the, the best part about this offensive line right now, and I did a story, um, on, on blue white yesterday. I definitely, uh, think you should check that out about tackles is that they've got the ability to not need a swing guy. And that's possibly the best luxury that they could have is they have three tackles that have tackle experience. You're bringing in Alex Birchmeyer, who they're really high on. So maybe all of a sudden you don't need a guy that can go position to position, but you know, that's still a valuable guy. JB Nelson is a guy that uh, uh, James Franklin highlighted as a potential guy that could do that. I talked to JB this week you know, he seems pretty set on guard. They seem pretty set on having him as guard. And it's pretty cool that you can bring in the guys that you recruit as guards and keep them at guard. You can bring in the guys that you recruit as tackles and keep them at tackle. That's yeah. a luxury that's uh, that also comes with it. So um, I think that there's that. And also you can move pieces around in, in uh, on the interior. You've got uh, Hunter Norzad sliding to uh, uh, center from guard. So he's played both spots. Salim Wormley, I think, you know, I think it's a situation where you've got Nick Dawkins second on the depth chart at center, but not necessarily your second center. Um, yep. You could see Wormley going in there. You could see Vega Ione, who's taken snaps in center going in there. So, so much more uh, flexibility there. Uh, it, it just blew my mind. I looked at the participation report for the blue white game last year. Uh, air oh, heavily on yeah. That one. There were nine offensive linemen on that sheet. There are 21 offensive linemen on the roster right now, and that includes walk-ons, but 15 scholarship guys. Chimney Ono is going to show up and make it 16, I believe, uh, is the number. So they have replenished in a way that you typically don't see for a a position that takes two or three years to develop guys. They've replenished those numbers in a big way. And I will will also give a a hat tip to the walk-on guys because those guys – uh, certainly invaluable. Um, I talked last spring, uh, uh, my old podcast about how valuable guys, um, you know, that, that you never really heard of, um, were to the practice squad. And then all of a sudden we saw that in spring practices where you're practicing, you, you can't make two full lines out of the guys that you have. So bringing in guys, Jim Fitzgerald, uh, Ian Harvey, guys that, you know, guys on that walk on realm that you expect to be practice players have exceeded expectations there too. So you're yeah. just basically, I mean, the, the the ship and rising tides and whatever that saying is, it, that's what we've seen with the offensive line room. And, it, and it's a credit to Phil Troutwine. It's a credit to, to, to that staff to make it work. And not only are they making it bigger in terms of numbers, bigger in terms of sizes, but they're getting better. And that's, uh, yeah. you know, a really encouraging sign when you're talking about building this team from the inside out. I want to get one follow-up question here, and we'll get to our next question on the mailbag. What is your feeling on where Landon Tangwall sits in all this? Because that's one guy that we haven't talked about because of the injury. The you know he had uh, season-ending surgery last off-season. I know um, we talked to him. Blue White Illustrated talked to him at the Rose Bowl. He didn't want to make any promises about being available for spring football, but he wants to you know be as healthy as possible heading into this time of the year. I've always, you know, this has been kind of my developing philosophy is if you're not there in January, February, March to get bigger and stronger as an off, especially an offensive lineman and to kind of put that weight back on after a season, I I'm concerned about then the ability to bounce back and be your full potential the next year. Um, do you think that's over, an over, overstatement of that fact? And I guess generally, where are you with Landon Tengwall in that group of players you just talked about, which has a lot of optimism? I, I don't 
really, I, I, I see which way you're going, but I think the the most important thing is to, to be healthy, like to be mm -hmm. like in a position to like, if you can't put the weight on, or if you can't get back to shape in by March, it matters, but it doesn't matter. Like if, if that makes sense, like you're yeah. not playing games in March. So number one, get everything healthy with the shoulder, uh, get everything healthy. He's, he's battled some, some multiple injuries here. So get everything healthy. And if he's great for, if he's good for spring, that's great. I have him slotted in as a starting left guard. He's going to battle JV Nelson. You know, there's been going to be some other guys in there. Um, but if you don't have a full spring, it's not the end of the world. Um, he's a talented guy. Uh, I will, uh, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing is for him, the way that his career has gone so far, just get healthy and then yeah. figure out the, figure out the, um, the details there. So I, I get where you're going. And I think that there's, there's some credence to, to that. Um, but at the same time, like health is number one here in everything, because if you're not healthy and you're putting that weight back on, you're going to find yourself you know, doubling back and it's going to yeah. cost you in the long run. So I, I, I don't know where he's at. I, I did. We haven't talked to him since the Rose bowl and actually I didn't talk to him at the Rose bowl. So I'm not sure what he said specifically, but I mean, you, you got to get him healthy and then when he's healthy, get, get going. And if that means missing some springtime or missing, um, you know, some winter workouts and things like that, so be it because the health is like you, if you're training at 75%, then you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your, your entire team a disservice. So just get him to hundred percent and then, and then go from there. That's going to be, so this is going to be one of, I'm just calling it now. This is going to be one of my off season questions to Chuck Losey that I will not ask correctly because I'll start getting into too many details. Uh, but it is, I, I'm fascinated to know about that process. Ben has a question here. When I read it at first, I was like, this is a brilliant question. When, when we read it uh, a second time, I, I think that there's a great topic here. He says, is Penn State's best overall unit essentially the T formation as the base offense? Singleton and Allen and three tight ends. Feel like the team could get chunk plays with those athletic tight ends off play action while punishing modern undersized defenses. When I was in high school, I think it was Cathedral Prep in Erie, ran this offense he's talking about as their base offense. Uh, can you get away with that in college football, Fitz? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I get <laughs> no. I get where it's coming because because I think it certainly has an argument for Penn State's most effective package. Like yeah. it it did, you know, it, it came up short. I believe in the Ohio State game because Sal Wormley missed a block. I think it was. Um, yep. And if he didn't miss that block, it was a touchdown. So like, I think they run it and they run it well. What they do out of it, um, but you can't. I don't think you can run a whole offense out of it. I, I will say that there's more flexibility than you think. And they, they showed that, you know, they showed that was, was the two point play. Um, uh, was that late in the season where, where they threw the screen to, uh, uh, they threw the screen to Nick Singleton. They also did that yeah. early in the season where they threw the slant to Tyler Warren. So they, they can go multiple out of that. And because your tight ends are so like athletic, you can possibly do that. Um, I will say third tight end right now uh, up in the air. So I'm curious to see what happens, but on the flip side of that, you've got, Drew Shelton, who could also play in that role or oh, Wallace yeah. or whomever you brought, brought Bryce Effner in um, to play in that role this year um, as a sixth offensive lineman. So you've got options, um, but as a full-time uh, offense, I, I don't think that's the way that works. Um, your receivers are, are receivers and outside weapons for a reason. So um, I, I love watching the T formation. I love the effectiveness that they got out of it. And the fact that like, it's, it's one of those things where they didn't do much, but they did it. They did it well. They were sharp. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it was, it was uh, remember the Titans run the same six plays, you know, just <laughs> give it time and it'll work. And they did a heck of a job um, yeah. with that. But uh, yeah, you're going to have to be a little bit more multiple 
Um, you're going to have to be a um, little bit more threatening with the, on the outside. And that's, uh, you, you see the, the, uh, the investment that they've made in the off season in, in adding weapons into figuring out that receiver position. They, they're, they're doing that for a reason. So as much as I love the T formation, if that comes out as a base offense, uh, yeah, it's uh, that'd be an interesting, interesting decision there by uh, Franklin and uh, yeah. Mike. Uh, so I like to cook. And what he's saying is like, what we're going to do is this dish is going to be entirely made of cayenne. Like it's going to be just hot sauce. That is not a great dish. And I know that some people really like spicy food, but you need balance in, in all of your cooking. You like just, you need balance in an offense. Uh, so the, so many things there that I, that I want to just quick asides. They've got a lot of you're right. They've got a lot of good options in that offense because six foot six, two hundred and fifty pound Mega Barnwell with a thirty nine foot uh, wingspan wouldn't be the worst guy in the world to put out there. Javen Williams, another guy that could come in as a six offensive lineman as just a complete steam shovel uh, in that situation. So that it they have a deep bench of guys they could put in unique situations. The question, I think, from this one, though, talking about formations and, and what you hinted at here is, what is the best personnel package? Because last season, Penn State uh, did not have Theo Johnson to start the year, and they had a bit of a disjointed offense, three receivers, two tight ends, and then things started to mesh and started to hum later in the year. Um, James Franklin talked about this, and I'm just going to play the beginning of the quote because he talked about the receiver position. Uh, and I think this is really important to the conversation. I'm just going to play the first couple minutes, uh, or first couple seconds of this. Um, in terms of the room, you know, I'm just a big believer, you know, that if you look at the NFL and you look at college football, um, the room and the position that I think can be maybe the most impactful right now is the wide receivers. Those guys at the NFL level as well as college um, are able to, to change the game and change the game quickly. Um, you make, you make one person miss on the perimeter as a chance to go 80 yards. Um, if you're a running back, you're probably gonna have to make two or three guys miss before you go 80. So the game has become such a space game. And that's really what uh, I think is the, the question I had last year and what we talk about with this receiving group and, and how all of these pieces fit together. Um, if you are going through the tight ends, if they are special players, like you see at the NFL level, those guys can be game changers because the receivers are a baseline of good where you have to pay attention to them and all the receivers in the NFL. If you don't, if you completely ignore them, they can do what James Franklin is talking about there. What do you think would be the best personnel grouping? Three receivers, two tight ends. Um, I would say, hmm, given what it, well, it's so difficult because everything goes into it. You, you're talking about field position. You're talking about things because because like having two two tight ends out there is great. Theo Johnson's not going to be a yak guy. You know, Tyler Warren's right. not going to be a guy that gets the yards after the the, the reception. Um, but they can be you know, even stronger weapons inside the 40, things like that. So, um, I mean, you, you, pr I would probably lean three, three wide receivers cause they can do so much. I mean, it's, it's not, a, it's not an accident how good Ohio state has been on offense the last several years. And you look at their receivers and that's a huge reason why, because not only can they beat you deep and you can get behind the defense, but they can also make you miss and you can get behind the defense after a couple of missed tackles. So and now you've got a guy in the backfield that can, is pretty good about that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, just looking on the outside receivers, 
the weapons can do so much more for you. Like, and and that's not a slight at the tight ends because these are great tight ends. Yeah. Um, and you can you can line those guys up all over the place. You can make Theo Johnson a slot receiver and make him one of your receivers. But um, you know, they're faster. They're you know, the they're they're a priority for a reason. There's so many of these guys that get drafted so high, probably um not too many wide receivers get drafted too high, but like that's the that's the line of thinking here is that if you've got this weapon that you can potentially change your offense, like bringing in a tight end can improve your offense. Bringing in a, a great wide receiver can change your offense, and I think that's yeah. where I'm at with that. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. You can. So he went on to talk about you know threats on the outside opening up the run game and breaking one tackle and going 80 yards. It's all about balance, right? So Penn State has had really good receivers. They haven't really had that cohesive balance. When they had Jahan Dotson, their running game was struggling. When they have Nick Singleton, they have, you know, the slot receiver runs, you know, not a 4-3, and Parker Washington is a great receiver, but he, he's not a dynamic game-breaking player. So having that threat balance, because... This goes into the the uh, the Super Bowl. The Eagles have AJ Brown and they have Devonte Smith, and you cannot leave them alone for too long. But Jalen Hurts and uh, you know Miles Sanders on the inside that gives them room. But right. then the threat of those guys open. So you putting in, in a bind when you have this balanced threat. I agree with you. I think three receivers gives you more options for explosiveness and flexibility. But the tight end room has to be strong too. Like you have to have a guy like Theo Johnson that is a good turning into a good run blocker and is a game changer as a as a deep threat at the tight end position because then you can take advantage of the middle of the field. I guess really to me that's the thing is can you take advantage of the middle of the field with your slot receiver or your tight end? You can't right. just be threats inside or outside. And that was Penn State's problem last year. They didn't have enough threats on the outside. Uh which is why they went and got Malik McLean and Dante Cephas. Uh, let's move on. Psykim asks this question. Where is it? It's right here. He says, nice interview with London, London Montgomery. Thank you for the compliments. I know that, uh, you did not specifically ask this, but did you sense London would accept a red shirt year if the coaches, trainers, et cetera, find it to be in his best interest? Uh, and they do not have a rash of injuries next year. Seems like a high class Penn State guy. Uh, if you want to check out the interview with Lana Montgomery, he opened up uh, an exclusive inter interview with Blue White Illustrated. He hasn't talked to anybody about his ACL injury until he came on the Daily Edition yesterday. So I strongly encourage you to go learn about Penn State's a, a very important player in the class of 2023 that we haven't talked a lot about because of his injury before his senior season. Um, so check that out. That's what uh, Psykim is asking about. Fitz, I'm going to come to you with the, with the actual nuts and bolts of the question. How do red shirts work? Is he is he talking about a medical red shirt here, or just the decision to red shirt a running back? Well, there there is no medical red shirt on the front end. Okay. Like a medical red shirt is something that you have to appeal for later on, saying you missed an entire season and things like that. So um, I don't see that. Given that the injury happened in August, um, he should be able to go in camp um, when he gets here. Uh, for for preseason, so I don't think that that's going to be uh, a typical medical redshirt situation. Um, would he accept a redshirt? Doesn't matter if he'd accept it or not. <laughs> if he's not in the plans, it's not in the plans. Uh, we've seen a lot of guys that come through. I will say, Cam Wallace is coming in with uh, both knees like fully functioning, so it's he's going to have the advantage coming in. Um, yeah. We'll see if Penn State is active in the portal and adding a veteran guy um, in the spring window. Something like we just talked about with corner that uh, you know a, a guy that fits in that role and uh, it, it's going to be tough, but like it's it's definitely still on the table. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those situations where reality has to take over at some point. You're going to find out how good he is, how ready he is, and how, um, you know, I guess how, how far behind he is. Um, because it's like uh, with Tamir Robinson, like uh, hopes are high with him. But at the same time, reality is reality is he hasn't played football in so long. London yeah. will have missed his entire uh, senior year. Um, the last competitive thing would have been, you know, the camp circuit. He did a very good job in the camp circuit. But uh, at the same time, it takes a lot to get back into football, especially at a position like he wasn't going to like fully healthy. He wasn't going to come in and take a job. Like those guys yeah. in front of him are so much better than everybody. And that's not a slight at London Montgomery or Cam Wallace. It's the fact that Nick Singleton and Katron Allen are damn good backs. So um, I don't think it, I don't think a, a ton changes, but uh, yeah, I think he's probably the fourth or fifth guy going into uh, going into camp. And there's just not too many snaps floating around for those guys. And, and again, like I said, with Landon Tangwall, number one, get healthy and then let everything go from there. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a perfect way to put it. We'll see where he is in his journey. Uh, we're going to keep in con contact with London and have him on the show uh, before he enrolls. And so we can get kind of an update, see how he's doing on that journey. Going to go rapid fire with these last couple questions, some of them recruiting, and then we'll get to this one next about schedules. Uh, we we love schedule talk, Fitz and I. Um, Sorry, <laughs> I, I, few things interest me least than less, less than schedule talking. Sorry, it's like expansion. Penn, schedule talk is just uh, one in one ear out the other. Penn State twenty twelve asks if the Big Ten does a three protected game with a six rotating for football once they expand. Um, what would you want PSU to have as their three protected games? Uh, Fitz, what? I don't know that you want anything, but what do you think would be uh, the logical conclusion of three protected games for the Nittany Lions? That's tough um, because there's so many things at play. You look at uh, the potential for like tiers in the Big Ten, and I get that, um, but it's going to come down to some some different things. I mean, you and I were talking beforehand. Um, you'd like Ohio State and Michigan to be those protected games. I don't know if you'd like it, but like it seems logical for Ohio State and Michigan to be those protected games. But on the flip side, Ohio State's protected game would obviously be Michigan. Michigan's protected game would obviously be Ohio State. So how does that work out? I don't know. Um, uh, you know, if you're looking at Penn State, you're probably looking at Ohio State. Uh, you're probably looking at either Michigan State or Iowa, um, as 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 crazy as that sounds, and then probably. Rutgers out of that lower tier, maybe Maryland. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because there's so many moving parts and because Penn state is that third wheel in that relationship with Ohio state and Michigan, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I don't think I'm saying anything crazy here. Um, it's that, how do you make that work? Because you like, I don't think the people at Ohio state would be crazy about having Ohio state and, and Penn state, or excuse me, having Michigan and Penn state on the schedule at all times. Whereas, yeah. you know, Michigan would probably feel the same way about Ohio state. You know, you want to get, somebody from tier one, somebody from tier two, somebody from tier three, but at one point, you know, something's going to jumble up top. So I think yeah. that that's the worry right there. Um, you know, doing away with the divisions is, is a great thing, I think, but at the same time, there's, there's a lot of things at play and I just, I, I don't know how that would work at the very top. Like I think Michigan state makes sense or Iowa makes sense. Rutgers makes sense. Um, but filling out that top spot as the third team in the big 10 uh, with some air quotes there is, is going to be difficult. The, the interesting thing is this really only matters. The protected games only matter for a handful of classic rivalry games that you want you want to, for tradition's sake, continue. Land and, Grant by Trophy. the way, yeah. 
obviously. Yeah, <laughs> of course, the land grant trophy. That's exactly what we want to make sure that uh, that we get every year. Uh, it's also to me, I look at this from a television perspective and, you know, you want to have as many eyeballs as possible on the Big Ten. That's why you're getting a billion dollar contract for, uh, you know, for your TV rights deals. So splitting up Michigan, Penn State and Ohio State, which are always your highest rated TV games doesn't make financial sense. Right. Now, the question then becomes, um, if you split those entities up and you don't have Penn State play Michigan all the time, does the Penn State fan base carry a game against Nebraska on a regular basis? And do you for, do those uh, disperse, or is it the concentration of your highest-rated games are always going to be those three battling it out for the top of the division? The NFL doesn't... the the by win percentage, right? So you play your division and then you play a schedule commiserate with how you performed the year before. The interesting thing is like, then you have internal relegation in the Big Ten. And I think that would cause some hard feelings. Want to get on to Nittany Lion Wolverine here, who asked a recruiting question. He says, why is Ben State pursuing so many small quarterbacks? Barely six feet. Michael Van Buren, Jaden Bradford, and uh, I apologize, I should have, uh, uh, Samaj Jones. In his video, Van Buren is not nearly as tall as Aller. How can pay? <laughs> this is my favorite. It always comes back to this, Fitz. How can Penn State compete with Ohio State and Michigan with tiny quarterbacks? I mean, that, I, I, that last part is, um, <laughs> you know, if you can play, you can play. Like, right. There, there are limitations to what tiny or short quarterbacks can do. And it's absolutely like, absolutely there's credence to that no doubt about it like that's one of the things that i'm worried about like you look out there i will say to answer the first question why is penn state pursuing these guys that's what's out there that's what's in the region it's a it's a small quarterback class at least early and uh, i will say this when you're following quarterbacks like the guys that pop up in in march are usually the taller guys i mean drew Aller wasn't not was not on the um the radar until i think late january um when mike gersich arrived because like the quarterbacks that are in that six foot, Mike Van Buren's 5'11", and, and Samaj Jones is 5'11", Jaden Bradford's six foot, you know, those guys, uh, Jaden Davis as well. Uh, those guys developed earlier. They're a little bit sharper with their skills, and maybe they just didn't have to grow into the the body that the 6'4 quarterback had to grow into. I will say this, Penn State's top target is 6'4", Luke Cromenhoek, uh, who's mm -hmm. committed to Florida State. He's probably going to stick with Florida State, but um, that's what's out there. That's what's out there in this cycle. Um, and you're going to have to deal with it and you're going to have to continue to evaluate quarterbacks as they get out, as you get out there in the spring and see them throw and see them go through spring drills and, and things like that. So, um, I do think this is probably a two quarterback class. And if you take one of those short quarterbacks, I don't think you can take another, like, I don't think this is a situation where we see a Van Buren Jones class, for, for example, right, like, right. you have to, not compliment the other guy, but you have to bring in something that's a little bit different to give yourself options, give yourself variety in that room. So I think if they, if they did land one of those guys, then, you know, you could see the shift to a more pocket uh, centric guy. That's six, three, six, four. Um, typically what you would label as a, we used to label as a pro style quarterback. There is no such yeah. thing as a pro style dual threat anymore because you have to be athletic enough to make that work. And I will say this, Mike Yersich has gone after, um, those types of guys like the, he, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to speak for him, but like, it seems like he prefers the bigger guy. He seems like the mm -hmm. guy that doesn't run around and, and make all these crazy plays and things like that. You would, you would love to check all the boxes, but you're never going to find that in a, in a quarter or you're rarely going to find that 
in a high school quarterback prospect. So I think that he'll go out. I think he'll go out this spring and evaluate some guys, check in, um, watch them throw, and probably offer some more quarterbacks that are, uh, you know, in a bigger range. But the the genesis of the question here is that's what's out there right now. And you've yeah. seen these guys like Van Buren picked up an offer as a freshman. Uh, Jones last year, Bradford has had an offer for, I think since he's been a freshman as well, Jaden Davis, the same way. So those shorter guys come onto the radar early and maybe by the time it comes around to the spring summertime, maybe they're just a little bit further down on the board as the bigger guys. And I'm very biased as, as a six, four individual myself that as the taller guys grow into their, um, grow into their, uh, bodies and grow into their athleticism. I wanted to hit six foot. That's all I wanted. I just wanted six feet, so I know how these short guys feel. Uh, I was going to sit here and give you a list of all of the six-foot quarterbacks that are successful in college football, but that is probably one of my least favorite things is when you talk about a general rule in football, then somebody brings up all of the exceptions. And so we have we have not made it as ironclad of a rule in NFL or college anymore about having to be 6'3 to 6'6 anymore. But I, I think you make a great point of Mike Yersich and – I trying to figure out what he wants is really interesting. Um, and you're right. Like to some of the guys, uh, the JJ Cole, a tall guy that was one of their top prospects last year end up going to Iowa state. So they move on to Jackson Smolik, a six foot quarterback. What is the common thread between Drew Aller, Bo Prabula and Smolik and all these guys that Penn state has recruited. And I asked Bo Prabula that because I wanted to figure it, like I want to know what's the common thread between all these different body types because even Bo is 6'2". People keep thinking he's Trace McSorley at barely six foot. He's got a bigger frame. He might have the strongest arm in the world, but he's got a bigger frame. Um, what he said was basically they're all smart and they, uh, they're all able to process information and make good decisions. So ultimately, I think when you look at Mike Yersich, he wants somebody that can operate the offense from a passing perspective, and you need to have the arm talent to a certain threshold, but then the mental talent. I'm kind of the soft skills you don't see because they're not rocket arm and, and super speed. So height plus those skills, and then you work your way down in the pecking order to wherever you land with your quarterback, I guess is how I viewed that now through that lens. Yeah. I think it's decision-making and accuracy at the top. Like those yes. are the two things. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't think there's, there's any question like the guys that they've brought in, you can see them process and that's something they hammer home, you know, in that quarterback lab and things like that. It's, it's, quick decisions, confident decisions. Uh, and, you know, for, for all of Sean Clifford's shortcomings, decision-making like, he went to the right receiver a bunch. Even the ball didn't mm -hmm. get there. He went to the right receiver a bunch. We saw in the Rose Bowl how great he was at pre-snap decisions and, and reads and things like that. That was one of his best things, and that's one of the things that they leaned on uh, heavily down the down the stretch of his career. So decision-making and accuracy, you've got to have the arm talent. I will say this. About Michael Van Buren, Like the short thing is one of the only things that you can look at and say as a, as a de de detractor for him because mm -hmm. he makes good decisions. He has a strong arm. He's not surrounded like as, as great as St. Francis is, they don't have great receivers. He's not surrounded by like, it's, it's not like he's an IMG playing with Carnell Tate and, and those guys, you know, he's, he's got guys that are fine, but like the passing offense is not what's what gets that team to uh, be undefeated or close to undefeated every year. And on top of that, like he's got some of those leadership intangibles. Um, when you lead a team that is full of talent and full, you know, if you if you have a talented team like St. Francis, there's also going to be challenges in that in that everybody is 
very good. Everybody's very confident in their abilities. If you can command a room like that, that says something about your leadership and that says something about um, the strong things you bring to the table. So him being 5'11 and, and just over 5'11, like it's, it, it is certainly something you have to take into account. But at the same time, he's got a lot of very, very positive traits. And I think that's why you see him in the on 300 uh, ESPN has him as a top 10 player in the country. I don't, I don't see that, but yeah. I see like the reasons, like the talent shows through. And that's when you, when you talk to college coaches about a guy like Mar uh, Martin Van Buren, a guy like Michael Van Buren. <laughs> it's the beard, the beard yeah. made you think Martin Van that's Buren. <laughs> um, when you find, when you find a guy like that, it's the talent. It's not so much the, those little things about how big his hand is and, and how tall he is and things like that. And you hope if you take a guy like that, you can coach that out of him and and really put him in the right uh, in the right direction to succeed. And also on top of that, you've got some flexibility. If you're going to take two quarterbacks, you've got flexibility to take a guy that might not be a standout in one particular area. In this case, height. Um, so you've got some flexibility with uh, with what you're doing with your quarterback class if you're going to take a couple of guys. Last question here deals with the class of 2024 again, and I think deals with quarterback, but everything else uh, they, we're, we're ending with the am I a jerk question from CJ Rugger. Uh, I'll let you handle this one. Am I a jerk for being underwhelmed by the developments in the class of 24 positive momentum from the end of the season thought we'd be battling Ohio state and Michigan and Georgia for top recruits so far, Michigan state and Virginia tech is NIL the answer, but more importantly is CJ Rugger a jerk. Fits. I mean, if you start your question with, <laughs> I am, am I a jerk? I think you've answered your question. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's February guys. Come on. Like this is uh, there's a lot of evaluation ongoing. Like I said, they could have gotten guys in this class already that, uh, you know, probably don't grade out in the long run as guys that, uh, you know, I don't want to say can't play here, but uh, can't be stars here. So I'm not uh, overwhelmed um, by, uh, the, the lack of results so far. I think they had five, uh, five commits at this time last year, you've got two. So you're running a little bit behind a schedule, but, uh, this is, the, this is how things change in the recruiting world. He mentioned NIL at the end. Yes. NIL is a factor in 2024. It will become a bigger factor to the summer. And I think more and more guys are trying to get to the summer so that they can take those official visits. They can see what's actually out there. They can do a little bit more research, which to their credit, that's probably the way that they should approach this. Um, but uh, I, I don't see a ton of worry. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, you've, you've offered a ton of kids in state, but I'm not sure you're ready to take a bunch of those kids that are in state right now. So that's probably something that goes into it. And when you look at the class last year, uh, Joey Schlaffer was in, in early. Uh, Lamont Payne was in early. So you had those in-state guys. Um, you know, this, you've started with Cooper Cousins and Anthony Specka. You, you branch out from there. So I think going to be a, a another it's set up to be another good class the infrastructure is there the results uh on the field will start to show up eventually um but i think it's it's a little bit too early to panic about this uh this group right now fitz thank you so much this was an awesome show i really enjoyed having a conversation about football with you today of course uh, it's my pleasure i hope i didn't sound too much like a jerk but uh yeah if we i think we i think we Wow, we're coming up on an hour here, so uh, we should probably probably shut this one down. But thanks for thanks for everybody, and thanks thank you for following. Subscribe to this channel. We want to get to ten thousand. Uh, subscribe to the website. We want to continue to get our numbers up there because the off season coverage at Blue Illustrated is unmatched, and we're really confident in what we put out. And uh, that's beyond what we do on these channels, on the the free podcasts, the free uh, YouTube channels, and things like that. We've got some good stuff uh, cooking for you this off season. 
Nailed it. I don't okay. have to say anything else. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.